Well, the intentional year. Happy New Year. You, you completed one of your resolutions to be in the church this year, and you're here. So good job on your resolution number one. So excited to be here on this new. It's been forever since I saw you guys last. It was last year. Um, that was my dad joke of the day. So anyway, no more corny dad jokes. So good to be together. Want to welcome those joining us online. Um, we are talking about not New Year's resolutions Uh, believe it or not. But I did want to talk about that just real quickly uh, because we're only seven days in. And so there's hope for us that some of us have maybe kept some of our New Year's resolutions. I'm going to ask a question. Would you be so brave to just raise your hand? This isn't a trick question. I'm not going to call you out. If you do New Year's resolutions, will you just raise your hand? I'm just kind of curious. Do you do New Year's resolutions? I do them. Anybody do New Year's resolutions? Then some of you are like, I don't know what he's going to. I still don't trust him. I'm still not going to do this. Uh, I say that because um, according to a research and a study of um, Forbes Health, 45% of Americans do New Year's resolutions. You can imagine um, all the things that we resolve to do. Uh, the top one, 48% fitness. Um, I ran on January 1st this year, have not run since, but I did on the 1st. Uh, 38% finances, 36% better mental health, 34% weight. Um, I didn't eat any sugar on January 1st, I ate half of a cake on January 2nd. Um, 32% um, diet, um, honorable mention, time with family, uh, balance between work and family, and to quit smoking. Um, so I, I'm sharing this because... I don't know, has anybody kept their New Year's resolutions? We're into day seven, kept any of their New Year's resolutions? I won't, I won't make you raise your hand. Um, this is not a New Year's resolution message because I don't want to discourage us because this same study says that two or three months from now, many of us will have kept some of our resolutions, but come December, it says only 1% of us will have kept those resolutions. So if you are part of that 1%, first of all, none of the rest of us like you. Uh, The second thing is, is for the rest of us, 99%, this is not about resolutions. It is about intention, but it's not about resolutions. This is a a series called The Intentional Year. At the end of this series, I hope that you're not discouraged, defeated by the resolutions that you've broken or haven't kept, the commitments that you haven't made, but I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're filled with hope at some of the rhythms that God has for us in order for us to to have, have more freedom, to have more peace, to have greater purpose in our life. And who doesn't want more uh, peace in their life? Who doesn't want to experience more freedom in Christ? Who doesn't want to to live out their God-given purpose that they have for him? Uh, So we're gonna be intentional. We're actually gonna use a book. Um, The Bible is our main book that we're using, but uh, there's some great Christian books and resources out there. And so this actually comes from a book called The Intentional Year. One of the things that it asks to do is just a resolution you can keep or commitment you can keep is to come up and pray and ask God to give you a word for the year. I actually have done this for the last few years. Last year, I couldn't decide on one. I did three, uh, overachiever. Uh, But this year, I've honed in on one word. Now, corporately as a church, last week, if you weren't here, we talked about our one word is one that we are going to be passionate for the one. We're going to celebrate the one. Uh, we had four baptisms in our first service. Unfortunately, we don't have any baptisms in our second service, but we still pass out the testimonies because we want you to see what God has done in the lives of those around you. And so uh, we celebrate the one, but my personal word this year is 
intentional. I want to be more intentional. I want to be more intentional in my, in my marriage, in my family, in, in the church, in my work, in the things that I do. I want to be more intentional. I'm not going to go into that, but that's just a word to kind of help uh, give some uh, focus um, today. Uh, some of you are intentional, and I was so encouraged, uh, not that uh, you need to do this. Um, we're just given options and plans because this is not about not having a plan at all. Um, but last week I shared about uh, the, the Bible recap and so many of you have shared that you started the Bible recap. I'm excited because you're getting into the word. I don't care if you get all 365, if you hit every day, I'm excited that you're getting more into the word than maybe you would have had you not. And um, by the way, I just saw an article that came across my newsfeed yesterday that Terry Lee Cobble, she's out of Texas. She's the one that does the Bible recap that her goal in this article was when she first felt led to do this back in 2019, I think it was, she was hoping to impact 300 lives. She wanted to see 300 lives impacted uh, through, uh, through the word of God. 300 million downloads later, she's the top number one uh, uh, Apple uh, uh, app this uh, most recently. And so inc- incredible. Again, there's other places. I know some friends that are going through the word. You have different things that you're going through, but I just want to encourage you on that. That's not the message today, but it is about being intentional. The book that, that I'm sharing here is Holly and Glenn Packiam. That's their names. Actually, where this came from was a couple months ago, you know, clear last year, we were sitting in a staff meeting and Pastor Dustin, our worship pastor, um, was telling me about a book that he had been reading and that he had read and it was called The Intentional Year. It kind of uh, sparked all of our interest. I read this and uh, some of us have read it on staff and we thought this would be a great way to start our years with The Intentional Year. Um, again, the foundation of our, of our messages is the scriptures, but we're gonna talk about five uh, spheres of our lives, of five, five spheres or rhythms of our life uh, to grow closer to God this year. The premise of this book The premise of this book is um, not to focus on doing something else or adding something else, uh, accomplishing something more. So often we revolve our lives around doing more and trying to do something and even doing great things for God when the reality is God just wants us. He wants us to be with him. He loves us just because we are, not for anything that we could do for him. Last night, um, we sent our girls off this morning, uh, flew to Florida. They just landed a few minutes ago from the cold to the heat. And, uh, but last night as we were having dinner in Wichita, um, I just told the girls, I just said, you know, your mother and I are so proud of you. And one of them said back, you know, for what? And I had reasons to tell them why, but I didn't need a reason why. My girls don't have to do anything for me to be proud of them. They're just my girls. They're ours. They're Heather and I's. And you feel the same way about your kids and your grandkids. Yeah, there's things that we're proud of their achievements and their accomplishments. But if they don't have those, we're just proud they're ours. They're our, they're our kids. Our heavenly father, we're his kids. He wants us to be with him. And I don't want my girls to do anything for me. I don't want them to buy anything for me. I just want to be with them. And our heavenly father, our perfect heavenly father, he just wants to be with us. And this series is not about doing more. There's things that will be a natural byproduct and we do things, but the, 
that's just the, uh, a means to an end. The means is this, is we want to draw closer to Jesus. We want to not focus on what we're doing, but who we're becoming and who God has in mind for who uh, he wants us to become. Uh, like a good coach, I think maybe one of the best coach, maybe arguably the best coach ever is Coach Wooden, John Wooden of the UCLA Bruins. I'm not a big UCLA Bruins fans. I have some friends that are big UCLA fans and that's why I don't like them. And so um, anyway, there's a rivalry there. It doesn't sound like a very good friend, but if you knew these friends, you would understand. Um, but anyway, I'm not a big UCLA fan, but I'm a big John Wooden fan. I've read uh, you know, a couple of his books in the past um, and he was about helping his young men about who they would become, not what they were doing. Uh, people might find this odd, but he enjoyed the practices more than the games. He enjoyed spending time with them in one-on-one and in group settings more than coaching the game because he was more interested in who these young men were becoming, not in what they were doing. And it had some kind of funny thing. He wanted things to be about team and he wanted to develop their character. And one of uh, the, the greats, um, Bill Walton, uh, when he first showed up on the UCLA campus and was gonna play for the great John Wooden, he was a free spirit. He had in mind how he was going to do things. And uh, he bought into a lot of it, but he very respectfully went to Coach Wooden and said, hey, coach, um, you know, I, I get what you're doing here. I respect everything you're doing here. I'm all in on what we're doing here. But there's one thing that I will not be doing. I know one of your things is that uh, all your players have to, sh- to, to shave their beards. And this is who I am. It's what I do. Um, it's, it's, that's not going to happen. And Coach Wooden said, hey, you know what, Bill? I totally understand. You're, you're you, you're, you're an individual and you have the right you know, to, to, to do what you want to do there, but we're sure gonna miss you this next year on the team. It was all about team. It was all about, uh, it was out who we were becoming. And I know that's a kind of a funny illustration of that, but this is not about a doing. This is not about a achieving. This is, but this also is not about not having a plan. It's not quesera, quesera, whatever will be, will be. That's not what this is about, but it is about practice. It is about rhythms and practicing who God would have us to be and who he's desiring and not the performance. You know, you'll notice athletes, um, basketball players, football players, probably other sports too, they get on streaks. They have hot streaks. You know, a baseball player will be on a hot streak and then have a slump. A basketball player will get on a hot shooting streak and then they'll have a slump. And in most sports, you have these hot streaks and you have these, you have these cold streaks. And it's kind of really out of their control. But the thing they have control of is practice. They don't know when those streaks are gonna come and when they're gonna go, but what they can do is they can practice. And that's what our walk with God is. It's a practice. It's not about perfect performance. It's about being intentional and practicing. It's not about not having a plan. As Pastor Rich says, the life you long for won't emerge by accident. You need a plan. And God has a plan for us. And his plan for us is not to do stuff. That, that happens, but his plan is for who we're becoming, who he wants us to be. He's more interested in who we're becoming than what we're doing. Doing comes out of uh, you know, a, a natural flow of that. So I know it's countercultural. Our world screams to you know, achieve, be busy, do stuff. In fact, you know, if someone asks you the question, hey, how you doing? And, and you go, man, I'm just really busy. 
um, you know, that's, that's like lauded. You know, it's like, hey, good for you. You're really, you're really busy. God's not interested in how busy we are. He's interested in how present we are and how he wants to be with us. And pastors can get in this terrible game as well too. And we can be doing for God and we're not taking time to be with God. And all of us, uh, especially those that claim to be followers of Jesus, we want something that Paul called the fruit of the spirit. We, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, there's not anybody in here in this room that doesn't say, I don't want more joy. I don't want more peace. I don't want more patience. I, but we don't get those things by doing those things. We get those things out of the overflow of being with Christ. And be in his, in his presence. And as, as described in John uh, chapter uh, 15, Jesus said, abide in me. And I chose the New King James Version. You might be reading along in the NIV or NLT. And I like, but I really like the word abide in the New King James Version. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, helping others as it can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit love joy peace patience kindness for without me you can do nothing jesus models to us him abiding in the father and us abiding in him and he modeled one of the ways he modeled that was through prayer and i'm going to share a prayer there's many different prayers i could have chosen today because jesus had a practice of praying we're going to see that today jesus had a practice of praying but i'm taking the place in scripture where jesus is getting ready to go through it he's getting ready to go to the cross his heart is heavy. He's getting ready to be last 40 times. Even before he gets to the cross, he's beat unrecognizable. He's getting ready for the mission in which he was born for, to, to come and die on a cross for us, to, to pay the penalty for our sins. He's going he's gonna to be brutally beaten. His body is going to be painfully hurt and broken. And in this moment, Jesus comes and he prays. But I want us to see something right out of the gate. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed to. If you have your Bibles, you want to circle that word. We're going to come back to that. Or your Bible might say as what was usual for him. And his disciples followed him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. We're going to come back to that. And he, was withdrawn, and, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw away and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Please don't let this happen. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed to, backing up to the very first verse. As what was his practice, he was intentional. It, 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 was, it was part of who he was. It wasn't just something he did, but he 
met with God. He met with his heavenly father. He was accustomed to it. He practiced. It was a rhythm. It wasn't a performance. It was something that he practiced and something that he did. And, and Jesus was perfect in every way. Luke five sixteen tells that so he himself often withdrew to the wilderness and pray. He often did this. This was a practice. This was customary. This was something that Jesus did. And if we're seeking to model after the life of Jesus, it's something that we practice that becomes customary to us, that becomes more natural to us because we spend time. We often do it. In fact, um, we're going to talk about that again in a moment. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus prays. And he talks about how prayer is a powerful preventative. If we have a prayerless life, we're going to have a powerless life. Prayer is where we get our power. Prayer and being with God, being in his presence, spending time with him, abiding with him, not doing things for him, not accomplishing things for him, but being with him. Being with God and the way one that Jesus shows the way that we're with him is we pray. We, that's a conversation. It's, it's a dialogue. It's having this time back and forth. And if you want to be able to withstand temptation, uh, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll provide a way out for you. We get that power to overcome temptation by being in prayer, seeking his face, because we cannot beat the temptations with, without him. And as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw away, he knelt down and prayed. He often withdrew. He withdrew from work. He was intentional. Jesus didn't lack for things to do. If I asked you to raise your hands in here, who's busy in this room? I don't care if you're retired or if you're the youngest person in here. Everybody in here is busy. Everyone doesn't have lack things to do, doesn't lack things to do. And yet, as busy as you and I are, we're not nearly as busy as what Jesus was. Jesus was constantly being clamored for his attention, for his help, for his assistance. Wherever he went, it was tough for him to get away, but he was intentional. He had to be very intentional to get away and often he withdrew. In fact, in Luke five sixteen, he says, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and pray. He got away where no one else was going. And sometimes we, not sometimes, we need to get away often where no one else is going so we can spend time with him in prayer because prayer is God's pause button. Prayer is what God uses to slow us down, to get us to pause, to get us to take a moment and, and to spend time in his presence. Um, when you, everything within us says, go, 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 plow through, just struggle through this. You can make it happen. You don't have time to rest. You don't have time. You don't have, all of us, it goes against our nature to pause, but prayer is God's pause button. The world is screaming, keep going, don't stop. You're never gonna get ahead if you don't keep going, if you don't plow through, if you don't do this. Prayer is God's pause button. It is God's whisper saying to us, slow down. Would you trust me? Would you trust me at the 168 hours in your week? Would you, prayer is trusting in him. It's like um, coaches that uh, utilize their timeouts. 
I love it. We're kind of in the middle of football and basketball season. I'm really looking forward to basketball season, as those of you who know me. Um, if you're Chiefs, congratulations. Not really, but congratulations. Um, I, you'll see in football and basketball, you'll see coaches call timeout to pause. They're pausing the game because probably something's not going well. Something needs to be communicated. An adjustment needs to be made and the coach needs that undivided attention. In the same way, God uses prayer as a timeout, as a pause button to say, hey, let's slow down a little bit. Let, let me communicate to you. Let me, let me make an adjustment. Let's, let's, let's get on the same page. We can't be on the same page with God if we're not in prayer with him, if we're not in communication with him. Prayer is like a coach's timeout. It's the pause button. It's the timeout in our life. And then Jesus says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We pray this prayer and it's an okay prayer to pray. I pray my hopes. I pray my dreams. I pray what I think God should do. <laughs> I ask God to do certain things. And sometimes, oftentimes, he doesn't do it the way that I call it. And in the same way that Patrick Mahomes goes over to Andy Reid and says, hey, coach, I think we should run this play now. Um, I think this would be successful. I think it would go well. And, and Andy Reid being a good coach sometimes says, you know what? That is a good play. Let's go with it. Let's do it. You're confident. I, we've practiced it. We've done it. Let's do it. But then there's other times that Andy Reid says, no, uh, that's a good idea. That's a thought for another time. But right now we're going to run this play. And Mahomes' job is not to go out there and run the play that he wants. His job is to go out there and submit to the Father's will. But a good coach doesn't fault the quarterback for asking what play he thinks is best. And God doesn't fault us for asking for what we think is best. I'm praying things for my daughters. I'm praying things for my marriage. I'm praying things for my family. I'm praying things for this church that I think would be best. That I think, God, if you listen, we're going to get some things done here. But what God's looking for me is not criticizing me for praying that way. But what he's looking for me is to say, okay, I've listened, but would you trust me? Would you yield? Because this is the play we're going to call. This is the direction we're going to go. A man plans his steps. I think the proverb says, but God directs his steps. Or man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. It's okay to pray your hopes, your dreams, what you would like God to do. But would you yield to him? As Jesus taught us, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. You see, there's something when we surrender to God and his plan, no matter what it is. I've heard over and over people talk about going through hard, difficult things. Loss, pain, hurt, brokenness. But when they came to that place of surrender and they said, God, I'm gonna yield to you. My playbook's yours. You, you, you call the shots. There is a strength. There is a peace that people receive. There's a strength that we receive when we yield, when we surrender our will to his. There's a strength that comes from heaven when we yield to God's plan, when we trust God in his plan. And then being in agony, he prayed more earnestly because desperate times call for more prayer call for deeper prayer and it's just life 
All of us do this. All of us have done this. Some of us are doing this today because you're going through some things in your life and you're praying more than you ever have. I, I think of a time nine years ago in our life, Heather and I prayed more than we ever had in our life because we were going through something. We were struggling with something. And we prayed and we prayed for our dreams, our hopes and the way that we wanted God to answer it. And I'm telling you here today, I wouldn't be standing here if God answered it the way that we wanted it. The result would have been different. And I would have missed out on the blessing that God had for us that took hindsight to see. But in the moment of when we're in agony, God invites us to pray more earnestly as Jesus did. Even sweat and blood sometimes type of praying that like Jesus did because prayer is God's pause button for our lives. Anytime we make big, important decisions, God invites us to come to him. God invites us to, to, to save some timeouts. Uh, good coaches, not the Broncos, but good coaches save timeouts for the end of the game because they know at the end of the game, there's gonna be some crucial decisions that need to be made. They know there's some adjustments that are gonna need to happen and they're gonna be able to need to communicate with, with, their, with the quarterback and with the team or the defense. And so they save their timeouts. Friends, sometimes... It's not that we always come to pray, but sometimes there's times that we need to be wise and, and when we're going through it, hit the pause button, even though it seems like we're under the two minute warning and we better hurry up to the line and we better get it done. And, and everything within us says, let's just get this done. No, we, 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 we pause and we call timeout. And sometimes there's multiple timeouts. The offense calls the timeout. They go out, they, they line up. The defense looks at what they're doing. They call the timeout to, to, to counteract. Sometimes we need to have times where we pause in our lives and say, God, this is a big decision. You're thinking about marrying someone? Boy, it's a big decision. You need multiple timeout buttons. Doesn't mean it's not the right or, or it's the wrong decision but you need to hit the pause button and ask God to help you. You're getting ready to maybe think about a, a different job or a different place. That's a, that's a time where you say, God, I, I need your help. Is this the direction you're sending us? Is this where you want us to go? This is what I think would be best, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna yield to you in what play you wanna call. Prayer is God's pause button for our lives. There's another place in Luke chapter 16. It talks about the different places that Christ prayed. It was usual, it was customary. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostle. Before Jesus called the 12 that would lead the mission that would where we are today because of that, that movement of those 12 apostles, Jesus prayed. Before important decisions, he prayed. Before important decisions, we need to pray. Before calling the disciples, before Jesus performed miracles, he prayed first. Before he ate, he gave thanks. That's why we pray at the dinner table. We're giving thanks. We're modeling what Jesus, in all situations. Paul said, in everything, give thanks. In everything, pray. In every circumstance, pray and give thanks. And we see when Jesus Getting ready to go to the cross, he prays. But also, when Jesus started his ministry, he first spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness before his public ministry. Because what we do in private is more important than what we do in public. 
we can put on a good face. I can put on a good face. What's more important to God is not what you see, it's what God sees. Private victory comes before public victories. God wants us to experience private victories and that comes through a heart and practice of prayer. So I wanna challenge our church. I don't want this to be an obligation. I I like how Pastor Brandon uh, coined it today as an opportunity. I, I want you to be invited to an opportunity starting tomorrow night, 6.30 for the next 21 days. Um, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7.30. We finish right at 7.30 or a little bit before. Uh, Saturday morning, 9.30 to 10. We finish right before. And I know uh, as you're sitting out there, many of you are thinking, are you kidding me? This sounds like another thing to do. I don't need another thing to do. No, I'm not inviting you to do another thing. I'm inviting you to hit the pause button. I'm inviting you to hit the stop button. I'm inviting you to take a time out when you're thinking I need to plow through, I need to do this. And, you're, and I believe that there's those of us in the room and online, we need breakthrough in our marriages. We need breakthrough in our families. We need breakthrough in our workplaces. We need breakthrough in our church. But those breakthroughs don't come without prayer because unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. I believe that Jesus modeled prayer to us. It was important to him. He prayed uh, uh, as custom it was usual it was practice it was something that he did all the time and he invites us to pray and there are special times and seasons jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days before he went into public ministry friends can i just say i believe god wants to do some great things in your lives in my life and in this church this year that doesn't mean good things are going to happen i'm not a name it claim it preacher You're not gonna pray and go win the lottery because you probably shouldn't be playing the lottery if you're praying, okay? Um, And I gotta be careful. I don't wanna get off track here. Squirrel. I believe God wants to have breakthroughs in our lives, in your lives, my life, our church's lives. I, I believe, I do believe that God wants to see more people come to him this year than ever has come before to him. I laid out last week that I believe that God wants us to have a hundred baptisms. I don't know if God wants us that or not. Honestly, it's just a a goal that I kind of feel like God wants us to baptize more than the 35 or 40 that we do each year. But I also believe that that prayer can't be answered on our own effort and by us doing it. We partner with God. There's a place that we work and we come alongside, but we're called to abide in his presence. And I believe that God wants to give some breakthroughs in our lives, but I believe that God also does that through the obedience of prayer, hitting the pause button. And when everything is screaming at you, go, 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 don't stop, power through, you don't have time for this. My prayer is this would be a place of going, I'm gonna breathe for a moment. I'm gonna pause. We're gonna come together. Pastors don't lead this. We're joining Um, Church of the Highlands along with hundreds of churches across the country that participate in the 21 days of prayer. And it's simply a time where we'll join them in in worship. You won't be called out to pray publicly if you're going, hey, am I gonna go up? Something weird's gonna happen. Nothing weird's gonna happen. No people are gonna be falling down. I mean, at least that's not my plan. Um, God wants to work through his people though. 
And there'll be some time of some corporate prayer that uh, will be led. There'll be some time we'll just have personal prayer. You just can sit in your seats or pray at these altars. But it won't be long and it goes by really fast. And I'm also encouraged us to, to pray in the beginning of the year to, to fast. Before Jesus did something really important, he fasted. Before he entered into public ministry, he fasted. Now, he fasted food and water for 40 days. I'm not encouraging anyone to do that today unless God calls you to do that today. But there's something that we all can give up and fast, not for the purpose of going around saying, hey, look how spiritual I am, I'm fasting. No, we really just don't, we don't talk about it with anyone. But maybe God would call us to, to fast social media or you know, the internet and the Denver Broncos and the Denver Post and the, you know, all these, or maybe it's to, maybe it's to give up sugar. Maybe it's to do a Daniel fast and do fruits and vegetables and chicken. And maybe it's to do different, whatever it is. The purpose of fasting is to give something up that you're hungry for, that you would choose normally. So you can be intentional about being hungry for God. And choosing him. And you don't have to do the fast, participate in the prayer. That's just a, a challenge of something to allow God to give us a hunger for him. These 21 days of prayer and fasting are the world's gonna be screaming at you, go, 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 do, do, do. You don't have time for this. Would you pray about pausing and stopping? Maybe you can do this for one day. Maybe you can join us for all 21 days. Maybe you can join us for 10 of the days. But whatever it is, would you pray about God having you take, hit the pause button and gather together and pray? And imagine what if we as God's people began to come together and, and we gave the first of our year. We talk about tithing, giving the first of our income to God and trusting him with it. This is trusting God with the first of our year. It's giving him our best. It's starting off our year and saying, hey, I'm gonna create an intentional rhythm. It's not a forever rhythm, but it's, it, helped me, it helps us start a rhythm because prayer puts you in the right position to fulfill God's purpose. Just as a coach calls a timeout to get his players in the right position and call the right play, prayer puts you and I in the right position to fulfill God's purpose. And God has a purpose for each and every one of us, but we're not gonna achieve his purposes if we don't pause, if we don't stop. So that's the corporate way. Privately, I'm just gonna hit this quickly. There's different ways you can pray and there's many different ways, but maybe you're like, how do I pray? Here's just a quick something to think about. I just an acronym for the word pray. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Pause might be two minutes. You might be a, a mom of preschoolers and you're thinking, I don't have any time at all. Are you kidding? I don't have a moment to go to the bathroom by myself. I mean, these, they're always with me. God knows the season of life that you're in. This isn't about performance. This is about practice. My, my wife, when she was in this season years ago, uh, and we had, a two, we had toddlers, two and four-year-olds, three and five-year-olds. She was given a book called, Meet Lord, Meet Me in the Laundry Room. And it was just like, God, meet me where I'm at right now. It's, it's not about sitting down for an hour or doing, it's about God, whatever season that God has you in, pause. Maybe it's pausing throughout the day and saying, God, I'm just gonna pause this moment before I go into this important meeting. I'm just gonna pause. 
I'm just going to rejoice, first of all, that I'm going to have this meeting. Thank you, Lord, for the job you give me. Thank you. We're called in all circumstances to rejoice. Even if you're going through the difficulties of life, we're called to pray and rejoice in all things. And then ask. Tell God your dreams, your, your hopes. Tell him what you think would be the best. Lay out your plans to him. Lay your requests before him in the morning. Wait in expectation for him to answer. But the important thing is, yes, ask honestly, ask authentically. But at the end of the day, would you yield it to God and say, God, this is what I think would be best. This is what I think my family should do. This is what I think our marriage should do. This is what I think my next next step to be. But Lord, you're in control. I'm going to yield myself to you. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to, we're going to pray uh, to close out this first Sunday of this new year. And I just want to encourage you friends to pray and ask God if he'd have you join us on some nights to pray together. There's something about when two or three gather in his name and we pray together. There's something about when you take time to give God the first of your day start small don't do something overwhelming start with a minute my goal every day is to do one push-up it's an easy goal i accomplish it most days you'd be surprised there's days i don't accomplish one push-up but usually when i do one push-up i do a few more push-ups just say god i'm start your day when instead of reaching for your phone in the morning when you first wake up hit the pause button and say god i'm going to give you this day This day's yours and I'm gonna trust you with it. Will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for my friends here today as we begin and journey through this new year together, I pray that you'd raise our hopes, our expectations. I pray that we would be encouraged in not that what we can do, but in what you've already done for us. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to hit the pause button might go against our nature to do that, but Lord, to hit the pause button and allow you, Lord, to take the lead in our life, to let you call the plays. Lord Jesus, as we start this year, and this is the first Sunday of our year, what a better way to start our year than to give you lordship of our life, to make you our savior and make you our Lord. No one looking around just real quickly, the best way you could start this year is to trust Jesus Christ with your life. If that's you today and you just sense God calling you that, you just raise your hand. We just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Others of you this morning, as I scan, thank you. We're going to pray a prayer that we pray each and every Sunday and it's a prayer of commitment. It's a prayer of faith but we don't make anyone pray it alone. We pray it together because scripture says if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved and we will be a child of God. So you can open your eyes. We're gonna pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and was raised from the grave to give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen.